Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church where we share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. This is part two of a conversation Nathan and I had with Chris Kilgore. If you missed the first part, I cannot encourage you enough to go back and listen to part one of this conversation, last week's episode, Um, but today we are digging in a little further, specifically looking at the topic of media, the role media plays in our lives as believers. I hope you guys enjoy today's conversation. I know we've had a blast talking to Chris about these different topics, and as Nathan put it, it's everything I could have hoped for and dreamed of. It'll be downhill from here. (laughs) I've said everything I know. The thing that keeps coming to my mind is how much media, whether social media or news or um, whatever that may look like, strips people of their humanity and boils them down to groups and stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And, and how um, it's so difficult to hear about a group of people, whether they're marked by their political beliefs, whether they think that um, we should do this about abortion or we should do this about homelessness or we should do this about war. And then we judge them by the, the character of their thoughts and not just by that simple principle that they are a child of God who deserves love. What steps do we take to prevent media from influencing our theology and not letting Christ influence the way we perceive media? Like, I think I've just heard from so many people who are Christians such dividing ideas based off of where they get their knowledge from the world, about the world from. And, and like, it, it so clearly, like, speaks to me that, you know, you are letting media influence your theology immediately when you say that i start thinking like just how deep that goes and that it's not just media as in like fox cnn nbc and twitter instagram facebook it's because it's genuine people so it's like that's now the platform is that we can see genuine we can see people's hearts just thrown out there in in, in 140 characters or less and i think that's where it gets hard is because and i i've struggled with this too of Man, that person had a really good argument, but it was in 140 characters or less. Like, did I? They just showed me their heart, but did I really see their whole heart? But then it's like when you have seemingly the majority. We've talked about this before. Of media allows the minority to seem like the majority, um, and we've talked about that a, a lot in the past couple of, of months, just with COVID happening. Like, really, our interactions with people are through media, and the influences that people have nowadays. We were talking about discipleship in the last podcast. A lot of kids are influenced by media, uh, YouTubers that are popular, uh, Fortnite streamers who are, you know, they're just playing video games, but kids are listening to an hour and a half session of them talking to their friends and what they like and what they don't like. And then all of a sudden, p- politics and and deep uh, beliefs about humanity just get thrown into the, that mess of 140 characters or less um, did not rhyme. I just rhymed right there. Wow, that was beautiful. Um, <laughs> but I think that that all these questions are important. What we just talked about is important. But that is when I think that we are, I find myself combating personally, but I think that that's one that we are going to struggle to combat even more so as society starts to drift towards that being the sole interaction between people. And communication. 
Well, and I think we even talked about it with Mark, um, this idea of we have authority figures in our lives. Um, and as strange as it may seem, it's possible for us to agree with them on 89% of things, but ever like every once in a while, one, they get things wrong, but then two, like we can disagree and still believe in the same God on, on certain issues. All right, so, so for the last several years, I have almost fully abstained from, from all news. Um, I, I realize that makes me less informed. And, and that, that was a trade-off I was willing to make. Um, I, I've said, I think you've, I've even preached it here at Hope before years ago, which means nobody will remember it. But uh, if you exercise your rights, you will have those rights and nothing else. But if you're willing to surrender your rights for the sake of relationship, you will get more than your rights. But as a Christian, which is more important than any political leaning that I have, I have to believe that even though I have the right to bear arms and somebody walks in my house, I can shoot them in South Carolina and it's a, it's a castle doctrine law. I also don't, I'm not going to carry a gun around my house. And I, I, I mean, I actually went through the training to get a concealed weapons permit and never sent the paperwork in because there was a part of me that just said, I don't want to be there. I would rather die than do something like that. And I realize people are going to push back, and they have reason to push back. We're defending our family. Do that. I'm saying for me, for, 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 as, as I thought through it, there are certain things I'm willing to, to functionally surrender my right that I have as an American because I want to do whatever I can to not put myself in a situation where I have to use that right. Because I do believe that where I surrender and submit to God by faith, I open myself to being carried and protected by him in ways. So I think sometimes we try to do things for ourselves and God says, okay, I'll let you do that. And then sometimes we surrender to him and he says, now I'll take care of it. Yep. And, and so I, I think at some point, I, I'm again, I'm not saying that we should have those rights rescinded. I don't think that's the government's job. But I do think that as Christians, we need to say, if, if I have to have all these rights because this makes me feel like I'm secure, I'm placing my security in something that's not actually all that secure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's first. So, so in, in, in terms of, of rights, I have the right to know things and I have the right to my opinion, but I am surrendering those rights because I value relationship and influence more. Um, I, I do think as far as media goes in general, there is a deep fear of not knowing things. You know, fear is fear. You, know, you, you tag whatever on the other side of it you want to. You know, I, I, I'm afraid of, of, of being in a traffic jam and having to go to the restroom. I'm afraid of nuclear war. I'm, I'm afraid of not knowing what's going on. I think that's a, it is just another type of fear, but fear is the main category there. And I think there is a deep fear of not knowing what's going on for any number of reasons. And, and, and I believe that perfect love casts out fear. Like that's what the scriptures say. And so I don't have to know everything. I read just enough to know who I'm going to vote for every four years. And that's it. That's it for me. I, I don't want to watch everything. I don't want to hear everything because it's going to create more angst in me to hear and argue than it will for me to surrender that and say, let it be. Um, and again, some people are going to push back, hate that. That's fine. They don't have to agree with me on that. But I, I do think that if we have to know, then we're not the ones that possess the information. The information possesses us. If we have to have it, because there's only one thing we really have to have. So if we have to have something other than what God has given us, and God didn't give us CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or Facebook and all the political memes that seem to inform everyone's view. It's so strange to me. It's just a strange, strange world. Um, When I was a kid, there was 30 minutes of news, local news, and then 30 minutes of, of national news a night. That's it. And you had to watch... The, like the worst production value on PBS of all time to watch anything else, like commentators, all that kind of stuff. 
And, and so you got an hour of news. We are literally in a situation where some of the largest and most productive entertainment companies are under the guise of news. And, and I'm just, I mean, for us to believe that they're trying to inform us of anything, they're trying to keep people watching because they are businesses who want to make a profit. We don't assume that Captain Crunch is good for us. We know it tastes good. We don't look at it and say, that is the same thing as a plateful of Brussels sprouts. Like, it's not healthy. We don't eat it because it's healthy. We eat it because it comforts us with its sweetness and it fills us for about 30 minutes and then we have to eat something else. The news is the same thing. It is a sugary sweet meal that simply appeases a need that we have in this moment, not something that speaks long term to us. They're, they're not concerned about the truth. I don't believe that a single cable news, 24-hour news cycle station is concerned about the truth. They're concerned about selling advertisements. So they're going to play to a base, and they're going to frustrate some people because they want to keep people watching, and it is an art form to keep that watching. And if we as the church buy into the fact that they're trying to give us something that we need, then we have been fooled. We have been, we, we've run this, this out for a long time now, and I'm serious, though, that's a lie. The enemy, I believe, has used that against the church to create the divisions that we have in the church because this is my new station. No, they're, they're all just trying to do the same thing. They do it in different ways. So I, it, it bugs me to death. And, and so in the same way that we don't, in my tradition anyway, I, I know not everybody believes this way, but you know, uh, the, the, the wiser voices in my tradition would say that, that something like alcohol is not intrinsically sinful but it is easy to abuse. And so, like, my denomination has a total abstention policy with alcohol. That's, we don't, you know, we don't uh, teach uh, um, moderation. But they understand moderation is, is fine. It, it's, it's a biblical concept, but they don't teach it. For the simple fact that, and again, I'll tell you, as an American, I don't believe that we understand moderation. Like, I can't chew one stick of gum. Like, I've got to chew a whole pack of gum if I've got it. Like, as many pieces as I can jam into my mouth, I'm going to do that. And so I think at some point, we don't know how to tame that tiger that comes through our televisions. And so it might be time for some Christians to just consider total abstention for a season. Like, I've told many people, take six months and don't watch the news anymore. See how you feel. See if you don't feel lighter and freer. Because I know I do. I know it changed my life. It did. The news, like... Anything in our lives should only function as a tool and nothing more. The same way, like, I, I spent a long time, like, coming to grips with that with my cell phone even. Like, um, and I still, you know, have ups and downs. Um, but the news is the same thing for me. Anytime I notice that it has stopped becoming a tool and has started becoming a source of comfort or entertainment or... Mm creates more passion in me for it than for Christ. Mm -hmm. um, that's the point to take a, a step away. I, I really like that. There's, there's an outrage addiction too. Mm -hmm. So in, in our culture, we love to be outraged. Mm -hmm. We love to have something to, you know, toss a flag up and say, I think different <laughs> and this is stupid and that's a ridiculous idea and I can't believe they do that. We love that. We are addicted to that. Mm -hmm. And so continual media continually having, you know, new tweets every time you refresh the, the screen, it continually having, you know, breaking, everything is breaking news. Like every single thing is breaking. It's, it's senseless because nothing really is at this point. I mean, it's all the same stuff. But, but I think the, the idea we keep watching, we keep reading, we keep looking, we keep wanting because we're just, and I'll just, so just dips a little, probably a little off topic, but, but I, I think it, it'll come back around. I think we're so dissatisfied in our own skin, 
that when we're outraged, it gives us the ability to forget how dissatisfied we are with ourselves because we can be outraged at someone else. And so it, it actually cr creates sort of, uh, it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like a pill. It's almost just like a numbing agent for a few minutes. And, and so, that, again, I think it is like a, a, a narcotic. It, it is like uh, being drunk for a few minutes because your problems, when, when, you've seen, when you've seen Donald Trump say something that is outrageous, when you've seen Joe Biden stumble his way through a speech because he, he's not presenting well, suddenly you get to forget about all the things that are going wrong in your life and focus and be outraged and upset with these two people. And, and so all the ire of all of our insecurities and fears are now transplanted out of our own heart and placed upon these figures that we, most of us, have never met in person, have no idea who they are. And so that idea is that we, we're just looking for a, a way out of the things that we're feeling. We're looking for a way out of the mental illness that probably that probably we more than us than want to admit wrestle with. We're looking for a way out of, of, of not having enough in a culture that demands that we have more. We're looking for a way out of this idea that I'm not as attractive as the people I see on TV and so I need a way to not focus on myself anymore. Like all of those kind of things I think create angst in us and so that angst creates a pregnancy, but the only way we seem to be able to deliver that baby is to find somebody else to be more upset with than we are upset with ourselves. So, so we're, we're just pushing it off on somebody else. And so, so we love it. We love it when they bring the news. We love the, the videos that, that make us feel like, oh, how irrational. It's like a reality television show. You get those 12 people together, put those rules in place, and then act like they're irrational. No, you, you, you've put a bunch of different types of dogs in a room and asked them not to fight and not to eat each other's food. It's going to happen, but, it, but it, it causes us to be distracted from the things that we are so frustrated with about ourselves. When a video that has 3 million views is titled... Um, liberal gets destroyed by conservative activists and it has 3 million views, that sums up perfectly because people love that. And a lot of thoughts real quick. One is because I think we then, we're taking our eyes off Christ, coming back to humility and we're looking at others and we, we start comparing all of these things um, and we start finding everything that's wrong with them, and that gives us almost a sense of purpose, mm -hmm. uh, that our purpose now is to find out what's wrong about you. Um, our purpose is now to prove that you are wrong, and we're finding our purpose in anything other than Christ and what he's called us to do. Yeah. We become almost like the Pharisees and constantly comparing and degrading and ju and judging. I know Mark just preached we're supposed to judge. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But judging in the negative sense those that think differently um, um, than us. And to go back to media real quick, a perfect point of I think that they have sacrificed being right so that they can be first because of the fact that everything is breaking news. Mm -hmm. Because everything is breaking news, they've started to sacrifice the fact of we're going to take the next week to research one, so that we can put out what is actually correct. Two, so we don't destroy someone's life. And three, so that we're doing what we have agreed to do, which is uh, tell the truth to the public so the public can make uh, edu uh, educated decisions mm -hmm. on who to vote for, right, sure, sure. on who to vote to, uh, just so many, so many different things. Um, uh, and then the last thing is that on this addiction thing, I will be the first to say I'm addicted to my phone. And it's because a really great book called The Shallows, um, talking all about how just this progression of technology has chemically changed our brain to where it's not just like, oh, I think like, no, it's like, no, your brain has adjusted 
and people might hate this word, micro-evolved into something else to where the synapses are fired so much quicker so that when it's not fired as quick, then you're not getting your quote-unquote high. We're addicted to the speed, not the drug, (laughs) but the speed of how much every, just in everything in life. My food doesn't come out in three minutes or less. I'm angry. Uh, the new my my Wi-Fi doesn't connect in the first ten seconds of me walking to my house. I'm getting frustrated all of a sudden because like why is it not connecting? Connect now everything is going slower, and I find myself getting angry all of a sudden at these things, and it's because I'm so addicted. Me Nathan, me confessing this and hopefully repenting of this, that I am so addicted to this speed that I you know it, my wife and I set up. Um, time limits on everything because we were so addicted to it yeah. and now i just hit my i found i think i hit the remind me in 15 minutes at least six times in a day no joke and it's because mm. I, I take these breaks in the day because i ha- i have to know what's going on right and i think what you just said is is impacting me because uh, it comes back and i'll sum up all of this really quickly is that we can set up these updates and that's me trying to rationalize what i'm doing um while still not fleeing from temptation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a reason he chooses the word flee from temptation because if you're truly addicted to something and you try to continue to do it while setting up boundaries, you are always going to breach those boundaries. Mm -hmm. You are always going to start slipping into those boundaries. I hit the remind me in 15 minutes six times. I set up quote unquote boundaries, but all of a sudden those boundaries are worthless and meaningless because it is an addiction and Christ calls me to flee from anything that tempts me. Not to stop where I'm standing, he tells me to turn yeah. and physically run from that temptation. I always keep thinking of this question as you kept talking. It was just, do you spend more time searching uh, people to uh, back up your political view- viewpoint? Do you spend more time watching the news than you do searching scripture? Mm-hmm. A plain and simple question. Do I, Nathan, spend more time on Twitter uh, looking? Genuinely, all my Twitter is is NBA and college football because I don't want to look at anything else, but I love NBA, but that's all it is. But I'm, you know, latest news on all of those things. But am I Nathan spending more time on Twitter or going through Instagram or looking at family updates on Facebook? Maybe seemingly not bad things, but the fact that I'm doing it probably three hours of my day, my screen time, what three, three and a half hours, I would probably say was the latest update. My quote unquote screen time for Bible reading, maybe 25 minutes. And as Christians, especially Christians, specifically Christians, if you're spending more time looking at the news, reading articles, looking even at your phones, Twitter, Instagram, even just texting people, then you are searching the scripture. I think that's where we have to do a heart check and say, how do I stop this? And the answer is to flee, (laughs) right? Like plain and simple. And I think that's hard for us because that calls us to give up the addiction. Yeah. And that feels like a personal attack, just so you know. It's a personal attack, but that's why I wanted to say first to myself because I know it probably. I know probably people. If I, people probably have already clicked off. Well, I'm done with this pod. I mean, you know, if people are listening, like they're probably already getting frustrated. But it's because me even just saying that to myself, I can start to think in the back of my head like defenses yeah. against that. Like, well, I'm doing these things on it, but it's like, okay, I'm doing those things on it for 10 minutes. The other two hours and 50 minutes mm-hmm. is me doing things that I just enjoy yeah. and that yeah. give me that satisfaction and give me that escape from everything else. And it truly isn't it. Well, isn't it ironic? And I, I know you're just saying something I just, to point out. I, isn't it ironic that the same device that you're trying to set limits on gives you the ability to snooze those limits? Like, I, I think... The, the fight is fixed. I mean, at some point, it's not like the phone says, okay, at three, from three to five, 
I'm going to brick this phone and, and you can't even turn it on. It, it says, oh, we'll give you another 15, 20 minutes if you need it. It's okay because nobody's really ready to get off. I mean, so I, it is ironic to me when I just hear that. I didn't even know that existed. But like when I hear that, it's like they don't want you to get off. Like, they, they, they add that feature to make us feel like we're doing something right. But then they're really saying, I know that you don't want to do that. And so we're going to help enable you in this situation. So, yeah, I, I, it is funny. <laughs> Apple is an enabler. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's it. That's a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, you said something so good. Um, we were saying that becoming outraged um, and finding values to stand behind um, – or people to attack at times uh, helps us take our eyes off of ourselves and our own insecurities and our own shortcomings, and it, which in turn makes us feel good. But I feel like it also uh, helps us identify with other people, and it gives us a false sense of belonging, and it, it creates a community that is literally based on hatred um, at its core, which is just the perfect antithesis to the gospel, yeah, <laughs> which is to our Christian community. Um, and uh, the Nathan, you brought up that uh, media outlets want to be first, not right. That at the end of the day, the, the people you're looking to for information do not care about you as an individual human being. They do not know you um, and they do not have your best interests at heart. Um, but how beautiful it is that the person sitting down the pew from you who disagrees with every single one of your political opinions has your best interests at heart, mm -hmm. who can love you more perfectly than someone who agrees with you mm -hmm. on the superficial things, and just how how beautiful that is. That's good. Be because the Christian community is supposed to supersede. Mm -hmm. It's a superseding community because it, it, it removes... It removes artificial divisions and, and focuses at its best and focuses on essential unifying ideas. And, and, and you know, the central idea being, being the cross and the empty tomb. But, but then even, even from that, you, the, the ethics and the morality of Jesus. And, and, and so, so it, it centers us. And so that, that's where like the whole, the whole image of the body of Christ, that, that picture that Paul gives, is so crucial and, and he explains it, I think, so intentionally that it's hard for anyone to miss. Like, you know, the, the, the hand doesn't say to the leg that you're unnecessary. Like the hand can't do the job that the leg does. And the, and the ear can't do the job that the eye does. We're all necessary and essential in this, in this body, even though we are different. And so the differences actually are supposed to create functional success like we cannot succeed yeah. if we're all the same and so God intentionally says I don't want you to all be the same I'm not calling you to all be the same I'm actually calling you and creating you to be different because it's only when differences melt into one common goal that things are accomplished that cannot be accomplished any other way I mean, that, that's the ironic thing about it. And so when, when, we, when we divide over differences, we're actually short-circuiting the very power that we've been given by Jesus. I mean, that, that he said, this is where we're supposed to be. A ton of different folks in the same room looking at the same thing instead of focusing on our differences, but utilizing and capitalizing on our differences to be the kingdom on earth, to make it here as it is in heaven. Like, that's what it looks like. And it's so powerful when you start to look at it. But, but it's hard, right? So Philip Yancey had this example in uh, one of his books. Um, 
read years ago. It's, it was such a just a powerful illustration. He said he was he was at a, a university um, symposium, and and this woman who had I think she was graduating with her doctorate. There was there was a reading of an essay that she was giving, and so she rolls onto the stage in a wheelchair. She can think. Her brain is incredibly sharp, just brilliant, but her body does not work at all. And, and so she had a reader there, and she was on stage while the reader read this thing that she wrote, and he said it was absolutely brilliant. Everything that she said was incredible. And he said halfway through that, he realized that that's exactly what the body of Christ is. Ephesians says that we grow up into the head who is Christ. We're a dysfunctional body with the most remarkable mind and idea center ever in the history of the world, but we can't function because we won't work together. Like this, this is what the body of Christ tends to look like more often than not, but, but the ideas are still beautiful and the ideas are still miraculous and powerful and transforming, yet the body cannot seem to function as it's supposed to in harmony and in unity. And it just, there's a part of this thing, and how much different is it if just a couple of parts can start working together mm. it, not even if everything got it but if a couple of parts could start working together it changes everything mm. everything i was just laughing because the whole time I'm just thinking if everyone looks the exact same and thinks the exact same it's a cult <laughs> like, exactly right. like exactly right. denominational splits like well because <laughs> somebody didn't think exactly like me therefore i'm splitting mm-hmm. and that's very that's very uh, overarching uh, of a denominational split of why or even why we yeah. have different denominations you can go a lot deeper into that but at the yeah. essence of everything yes yeah. it's hyperbole with a point though i mean it really is it, it is it's not too far away i mean in acts 15 you know they, they argued they fought about what the gentile believers were were responsible for i mean i even the language of acts 15 is so polite but it, it's so aggressive what they're going through in that in those rooms. I mean, these are people who walked with Jesus. Who, I mean, so so if everybody who walked into the same room had healed somebody who couldn't walk and they can walk, like you walk in not not kind of like in feeling and fear. You walk in believing. I know the voice of God and I know what God has called me to be and do. And they all walk in and start to argue with one another. Like there is so much aggression in that room. And but but they don't divide. They create this letter by the end of it, and they say, "Okay." This is what it's going to be. Like we've lost that. We've lost the ability to disagree, and and that's such a painful loss. I mean, that is such a that, that's it's an unexpected and frustrating casualty in the church. Um, there's there's no reason we should not be able to disagree. Disagree, it's fine. Then boil down to the essence and make sure the essence is uniting you. So I mean, yeah, I, it. I agree. It it can't be cultish. If it is, then it's something other than Christianity. that's it for today we're gonna put a pause to our conversation here don't forget you can join us next week for the conclusion of our conversation with chris for more of these incredible insights and ideas